Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 33. By the mercies of the Lord we are not consumed, for his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. My soul says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good to hope quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bears a yoke early in his life. Let him sit alone and be silent, because the Lord has laid this upon him. Let him stick his face in the dust. Perhaps there still is hope. Let him turn his cheek towards the one who strikes him. Let him be filled with disgrace. For the Lord will not push us away forever. Even though he brings grief, he will show compassion on the basis of his great mercy. Certainly it is not what his heart desires when he causes affliction, when he brings grief to the children of men. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, last week we preached on Job, and we saw God had never told Job the reason for all of his suffering. Job didn't know that the devil was trying to get him to fall from the faith with a severe test, and God was not going to let him fall from the faith. Ultimately, Job says, I just want to know why. Why, Lord, why? And God's answer is, you can't handle the why. I didn't design your brain to handle a fraction of everything that goes on in my governance of the universe in just one second. But last week we were reminded also that we have a Savior and we can trust God is working for our good, even if we can't understand why when we have hardships. But what happens when you know the why? When you know the reason is a chastisement from the Lord. That's today's text. See, God had made that covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai. Stay faithful to me and to my laws and I will keep you as a sovereign nation. And while Moses has gone too long up on Mount Sinai, they make a golden calf and break the covenant. Each generation was guilty of this. Finally, several centuries later, God said, enough. He sent them a warning with the Assyrians that bit a huge chunk off of the nation of Israel. They still did not keep the covenant. God said, fine. And he sends the Babylonians and the Babylonians conquer Jerusalem, but they don't destroy it. They haul the cream of the crop off men like Daniel and Ezekiel in this. God sent the prophet Jeremiah to warn the people. Now, God's still going to give a savior, but don't rebel against Babylon. They're God's chastisement. But again, they didn't listen. They said, we've got the temple. God will protect us. And they rebelled against the Babylonians. And the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. They left no two stones standing on top of each other. And the temple was utterly destroyed. Where? Where would faithful believers like Jeremiah go to be reminded of the forgiveness of sins and the coming blood of the Lamb to know that God is still present? The temple had been destroyed. Lamentations is written, it's really a psalm, it's a song as Jeremiah weeps over the destruction. But he knows the reason why. And so today we see that Christians have hope in suffering even when we know that suffering is a chastisement from God. Now I want to add something real quick before we jump into our uh, text. 
Sometimes Christians and, and even unbelievers get confused. I remember when I was studying to be a pastor, I wasn't even at the seminary yet, stopping by the house of an old friend, and he was shacking up with a girl, and I knew the girl from high school. She uh, was just she just was having some problems in, in her biological plumbing, and she just knew that it was cancer. No, I'm going to tell you I knew it wasn't cancer by judging the things she said, and the doctors confirmed that. But she just knew that she had uh, cancer in her ovaries, and she knew it was because she had been so promiscuous. And I explained to her, if you had an STD, you could guess that was a chastisement from God to help curb that sinful behavior. But this cancer has nothing to do with what you have been doing. This this might be God's wake-up call for you, but it is not a chastisement from him because, because of the particular sin you mentioned. But Jeremiah knows the people have broke the covenant. And so he says, By the mercies of the Lord we are not consumed, for his compassions do not fail. Now, the Hebrew word used here for mercies is the same Hebrew word for committed love. God often in the Old Testament referred to himself as the groom and the nation of Israel as the bride. He does this in the New Testament with the church and himself as the groom. He said, you have been an unfaithful bride. Time and time again, you have whored after false gods. But God remained committed in his love. Was not somebody to be bullied and, and just, oh goodness, I can't find another woman. He wasn't, he wasn't a sissy. He wasn't milk toast. But he was committed to his covenant and his love for the nation he was raising up through which the Savior would be born. And it's very interesting, the name used for the Lord here is the Hebrew name Yahweh, the one that means absolute, means being. He just exists. Nothing controls his not existing or has power over him. And that means he's absolutely faithful to his holiness and he's absolutely faithful to his covenants. Even the covenant Israel had broken and he would remain faithful in his committed love to the covenant to send a savior who would be a descendant of David. But it's by God's mercies, by his committed love, that we are not consumed. Jeremiah, standing over the rubble that once was the temple, could say, what we deserve is to be wiped out. But because God is a merciful God, he did not give the nation of Israel what it deserved. And he explains, for his compassions do not fail. God is still compassionate on sinners. We can't help but to sin. It doesn't excuse it. We struggle against it, and it's a comfort to hear God still has compassion and it will not fail. That means when burdens come upon us, God could destroy us and should, but he doesn't. But what he does give us is still within the realm of his compassion. It doesn't fail. We are told they are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. When life is miserable, stop and think. God could give me worse if he were to give me what I deserve. Stop and think that every moment that I have faith in him is a gift from him. Every morning I wake up with blessings from God. They might not be blessings from this earth. They may be. But we can say they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Now, I remember serving a woman who had a very strange form of cancer. And I remember her telling me others have it worse. And she was right in saying it could be worse. But I had to tell her, but let's focus on you right now. You are bearing a cross. Yes, the cross could be heavier. So what Jeremiah here isn't saying, you know, if you got a hardness, yeah, things could be worse. He's really saying, we know the reason God wiped us out. 
And he should have destroyed us, but he didn't. Yet every morning you awake, every morning you open up your eyes, you can be confident that God is still having compassion on you, is still your savior. The blessings are manifold. If, and, and sometimes when you feel miserable under these hardships, even when you know that you've got them, got them coming and deserve worse, stop and think about all the blessings God is giving you. It really helps change your perspective, especially knowing you are saved. You still have a savior. My soul says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. And the word translated for portion is what an inheritance that's allotted to you. Recall in ancient Israel, if you had four sons when you were going to retire when you died, whichever came first, the land was divided up into five portions. The oldest son got a double portion because he was to take care of mama and if papa was just retiring papa. And the other sons, it was lots usually were cast to figure out which section of land they got. Well, if you got the right lot, you got the best part of the crop, right? The best ground. What is Jeremiah saying here as he looks at the devastation of Jerusalem that Israel deserved? He said, the Lord's my inheritance. Same name for Lord that means he's absolute Yahweh. God who is faithful, that's what I inherit. That's what's befallen upon me. In other words, he's saying, surely I am elect. Surely I am predestined by God. And I can be confident because of his promises to me in his word, not because I just feel it or think it. He says, therefore, I will hope in him. And again, we've got to be careful how we understand that word hope. You've heard me say before, when I'm in Menards, I always stop at the kiosk until recently when they moved it. Now I can't find it and I'm not going to spend that much time looking for it. And I sign up for that car and our truck, especially if it's a four-wheel drive truck. Now I always hope I win it at the end of the month. But you know, my hope really expects not to win it. And sometimes we hope, but we know there's a chance that it's going to fail. That's not faith. The hope of faith really is best understood as a confident expectation. Even Jeremiah, looking at the rabble that once was Jerusalem in the temple, knows that God had promised it would be rebuilt. It wouldn't have the same glory. And he knows God had already promised the people would return and that the Savior was still coming. So Jeremiah could find comfort in this destruction by knowing that God was still going to give the promises he had promised. It was just a matter of waiting, period. So he says in verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Confidently expect by waiting. God in his time will fulfill his promises. And he says to the soul who seeks him, how do we seek the Lord? This is why we come to church and hear the word. This is why we do daily devotions. Whenever we are in God's word, whenever we are receiving the sacraments, we are seeking the Lord. And the Lord is good to those who wait for him and seek him. He feeds you. He strengthens your faith, reminds you. Keep expecting. Keep being confident. I will keep my promises to you. And so he says it's good to hope quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Jeremiah, looking at the rabble of the, that was once the temple, doesn't go, Oh, is God doing this to me? I was faithful. It's not fair. He waits quietly. Quietly and says to himself, God could have destroyed us and he didn't. God is gracious and I will wait quietly until the time when he resolves this. Jeremiah will be in heaven 75 years later when God allows the remnant to return. 
But Jeremiah in all this so far sees there's hope in suffering because they could trust in God's grace. And in His grace, He would be faithful to His promises. And so Christians have hope in suffering. When you're bearing those heavy burdens, and especially when you know the reason why this is a consequence of my sin, you can trust in God's grace. So he continues, It's good for a man that he bears a yoke early in his life. The Old Testament using the vision of a yoke instead of a cross. A yoke is what you use to attach an animal to a plow or to another animal so they could pull a wagon or a plow. Pulling a heavy weight. It was better for Israel to be chastened. And you know what? It would work because they didn't chase after false gods again. Sadly, they made the law their God in their way into salvation, but they didn't whore after Baal and Moloch and Asherah and all of them ever again. But brothers and sisters in Christ, there's an easy analogy here in what he's saying. When, when God allows us in our youth to have to bear these yokes, these hardships. We all know people who have spared the rod literally and spoiled their child. I have a childhood friend whose parents, they, when we would get in trouble, I'd get grounded and he wouldn't. And I didn't think it was fair. And when we were adults, his parents co-signed for a car when mine made me get a job and made me buy my own hunk of junk. I'm still driving today. And it was no surprise to me when I became an adult that when his parents had both signed on his house and the spoiled little brat defaulted on the loan, that his parents were nearly bankrupted paying for his house payments. We know that a parent who truly loves their child at times will discipline them. We know that saying, I remember my father saying, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I would say, then why do you have to swing so hard? It's my rear end that gets bruised. But as a father, when I had to do that, I very much understood it. And God here is saying, I do not enjoy the misery you're going, but it is my training you. So again, why does God allow me to suffer the consequences of my sin? Not hell, but when I hurt somebody's feelings and I have to deal with the damaged relationship in these things. It is God training me to struggle against the sin as he's doing with you. And he's training us not to be attached to this world. To remember, everything we do in this world slips between our fingers. It all falls apart so that we look forward to heaven. And he does that now. So we're told, let him sit alone and be silent because the Lord has laid this upon him. Israel shouldn't be complaining. They had chased after false gods. They knew this was what happens when they break the covenant. God had been gracious and allowed it to go on after warning them several times, but he finally said enough. And you and I, when we're bearing those yokes because of the consequences of our own sins, we can sit and be patient and say, this has come from the Lord who's faithful, who means the promise he made to me when I was baptized. And so he says, let him stick his face in the dust. Perhaps there still is hope. You know, what he's saying here, we would say in a different way today. We would say, let him lay face first in the gutter. Think about it. Like when people have addictions, and we all have sins we struggle with, but when somebody has an addiction, like a drug addiction, well, they will let it be their God. They will sacrifice everything they own in every relationship for the next high. Sometimes God has to let them fall into their lying face first in the gutter and have no place else to go. Then they finally see, I need help. Then they finally turn and look up to heaven and say, oh God, help me. I can't do this myself. Jeremiah is saying, yes, sometimes when those yokes drive us down face first in the gutter, God is doing that for us so that we will turn to him finally and say, let me quit making this sin my God. And so he says, let him turn his cheek towards the one who strikes him. Let him be filled with disgrace. Shame is not always a bad thing, is it? 
I remember getting in trouble when I was a kid for things. My parents shaming me for doing them. And I learned something about honor and integrity because of it. What Jeremiah is saying here as he looks over the rabble of the destroyed city is, God's training us to shine with his glory. And so we see Christians have hope in suffering. They have trust in God's grace. But they also recognize this is training from God. And lots of times prior training from God has prevents us from having some of those problems. But it also prepares us for heavier crosses like when persecution comes that is not a consequence of our sin. Last few verses and say, For the Lord will not push us away forever. And then there's a name change here. The name uh, Adonai in Hebrew is used. It means master. God is the master of all creation. He made it. He's in control of it. And the one who's in control, he says, he's not going to push us away forever. And Jeremiah knew this because God had said in 75 years, I will allow a remnant to return. He said, already promised. Remember, Jeremiah bought the field for 30 pieces of silver as proof to that to the people well before the destruction. So... The master of all things isn't going to push Israel away forever. And when you're bearing a yoke, you can say, especially when you know it's a consequence of your sin, God is not going to let this chastisement go on forever. Especially if you die first, you're going to heaven, right? So long as you trust in him. But even in this life, God does not crush us. So he says, even though he brings grief, he will show compassion on the basis of his great mercy. Again, the Hebrew word used here for mercy is committed love. Yes, God allows these hardships to come upon us, but we also can be confident in his wisdom, in his timing, on the basis of his grace, he's going to give us compassion again. And so he wraps it all up with verse 33 saying, certainly it is not what his heart desires when he causes affliction, when he brings grief to the children of men. I don't know about you, but this last verse is also very comforting to me. When God allows me to suffer the consequences of my sin as a yoke, God doesn't enjoy doing that. Again, the father telling his child who has really screwed up, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And the reason why it's comforting for me is God is not the author of evil. We don't realize how every day he protects us from the devil's bombardment of attacks. But sometimes God says, you need this, and he'll lift his hand a little and allow a little bit of that to come. But God takes no pleasure in it, but he's doing it for your and my well-being as a parent disciplining their child. So we also, as Israel was being comforted by Jeremiah here, see that we have hope in suffering because we know that one way or the other, God will eventually remove it in his good timing. And so as Jeremiah knows the why that Job didn't know. Once again, as we look at bearing what Jeremiah calls a yoke, the burdens of life that are caused because of our own sins, we see that Christians have hope in suffering and bearing those yokes when God allows us to suffer the consequences, not eternal consequences, temporal consequences of our sin. We have trust in God's grace. We know we're saved. We know he forgives us. Therefore, we know what we're receiving from God is training to help us so we don't fall from the faith. And we know that in his good timing, the Lord will remove it. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.